Morning, everyone. Good, good to see you all this morning. Um, I don't know whether I'm a bit warm this morning. Maybe it's just starting to be a change of season. It's, it's nice. Um, awesome. Cool. Today, I'd like to start off by telling you a story. Um, there was a pastor or a preacher, a doctor and a dentist, and they went deer shooting um, up in the high country, something that I love to do. Um, they were stalking together in the state forest and they decided to fan out to, to cover a bit more area. So um, the, the, the preacher or the, or the pastor sort of went 50 metres over that way and the, the doctor went 50 metres over that way and the dentist was sort of in the middle and they're all moving forward. And at the same time, all three of them saw a deer up in front of them standing out in a, in a little opening. Um, so all three of them lined up at once. Should go like that for the right-handers, shouldn't I? Lined up at once. Bang! Woohoo! All three of them yet out a, a, a loud cheer as this poor deer hit the deck. All right? And uh, all three of them converged on the deer at the same time. And the dentist said, did you see my shot? And the doctor said, did you see my shot? Anyway, um, there was an officer from the Game Management Authority uh, who came walking out of the woods at that moment and came across to the three guys that were standing around this deer. And he said, what's all the fuss about? Um, and he said, and, and the, three, the three gentlemen said, we're trying to work out who shot the deer, as each one of us shot around at the same time. The officer replied, as he stepped over to the deer, and he peered at it, and he sort of had a bit of a look at it, and he said, that's easy. You can see where the bullet went in. It went in one ear and out the other. Therefore, it must have been the preacher. <laughs> anyway, um, I just wanted to start with that today because my prayer for today is that my message will not actually go in one ear and out the other, but rather that will go into your ears and into your hearts and into your minds. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. Thank you for all you do for us. Lord, I pray that this morning that the words I say are from you and your word and that it would reach deeply into our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. By the way, I think I've forgotten to say welcome to visitors this morning too. So I just want to say a big welcome to those that are visiting that aren't normal normal um, attendees, if you like. Uh, I hope you really enjoy this morning's service and I hope you're blessed from it. And uh, please hang around for morning tea afterwards as well. All good. Um, for the past two months, um, our church has been hearing messages based around outreach um, and I get the privilege of actually having the last week on this topic. Um, and I've felt God's conviction to try and challenge as many people as I can. So this morning I aim to actually make you feel uncomfortable. And, and I sort of make no apologies for it. So I sort of, even though I'm apologetic, I want you to feel uncomfortable by the end of the message. That's part of what God has been telling me. Um, and I apologise in advance because I actually feel uncomfortable about this message as well. 
It challenges me. It challenged me while I was putting it together. Um, and God's word says in Matthew 28, 16 to 20, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. My understanding from hearing a range of messages and reading church constitutions, statements of faith, um, is that we're a Bible-believing church. Yep, cool, i got one amen. Yep, we're a Bible-believing church. Yes, very good, okay. And we trust God's word and we trust God's commands. Yes? Yep, okay. So we believe the Bible. The Bible tells anyone who reads it a number of home truths. Firstly, we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Hopefully we all get that. The Bible also tells us, don't fear, God is with us. Sorry, I can hear that. I'll just do that, that might make it better. Don't fear, God is with us. He will return and collect us all one day. The Bible tells us that. And time is short on this earth. And the Bible also tells us that God doesn't lie. So logically, believing what the Bible says means that we support and follow what the Bible says. Yeah? So we apply God's word that Jesus gave his disciples. We've already been told in Acts and other places in the Bible that he'll enable us through the power of his Holy Spirit. So what is it that makes the great commission into the great omission in our lives? Maybe with the grace of God we can find this out today. Some of us learn are inspired by paintings or landscapes, uh, by admiring our natural environment. Um, Others are inspired by books and literature. Um, Others are inspired by movies or stories. Um, Quite often I gain inspiration by listening to Christian music. Uh, It's something that really uh, speaks to me at times. Um, And this morning I'd like to play a song for you uh, by a band called Cain. And the song's called The Commission. Thanks, Tim. So I guess this is um, where I got some of the inspiration for today's message as well, through a song, Um, but certainly through scripture as well. Um, And one of the lines that I want to focus on is, see my hands and look at my feet. It's okay if it's hard to believe. Is it a lack of faith that brings about the great omission? 
these times when you're face-to-face with a situation and you know that the person that you're talking to needs God, right? And the duct tape of doubt clamps over your mouth and you just don't say anything. Let's look at Thomas. He was one of the best of buddies with Jesus. Um, He was close to the fire and he lived closely with Jesus for three years. And yet he still had to see the evidence, didn't he? Thomas said to the disciples, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. But God didn't reject Thomas, did he? So why would he reject us? He won't. God has promised that he won't reject us. Um, This understanding of God's love actually made Thomas cry out, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told them, the disciples, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So Jesus witnessed doubt when he was here on earth. He saw it firsthand through Thomas and others. Jesus knows and understands our human failings. Jesus understood them so well that he gave us the companion, the soul whisperer, the comforter. You guys all know who I'm talking about, don't you? The Holy Spirit. That's right. And and he is there to remind us and guide us, to help us remove the duct tape from our mouths and share our heart and God's heart with others. In Romans 15 verses 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with the hope with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Overflow, overflow. This generally means that it can't be held back. So the Holy Spirit can't be held back from overflowing within us. My prayer is that this may be the experience of each one of us today and always. That there is so much of the hope and joy and peace that it does overflow to those around us. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verses 12 to 15, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So, I mean, this is what Jesus says about our doubts and how they can be overcome through the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches us what to say and guides us as to what to do. Take hold of this purpose and step into this plan that he has waiting for you. 
That's my encouragement to you this morning. Take hold of this purpose. The song also said, my spirit is with you wherever you go. You have a purpose and I have a plan. Like I've said, we need to take a hold of God's promises, trust in God's word and his instructions for our lives. The song also says, go tell the world about me. I was dead, but now I live. I've got to go now for a little while, but goodbye is not the end. It's certainly not the end in Jesus' case. As he's returning, we, we all know that, we all understand that, we all believe that. And it's certainly not the end in our case, as we know that he's returning for us. Hopefully we all get that. Hopefully we all understand that. But for whom, living around us, is it the end? That's my question. For whom, living around us, is it the end? Perhaps it's those who will not see his face because they were never introduced to him. that the end is the end for some, should actually rip the duct tape off our faces and the hope, joy and peace should overflow from us, through us. I mean, the Great Commission says in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So again, my question this morning is, is it fear that turns the Great Commission into the Great Omission? We've, we've become adverse to confronting people. Um, you know, people especially that might be headed in the right direction. That's part of our culture. Um, our culture grows more and more terrified of offence and judgement, doesn't it? So I guess what I want to do is provide a bit of encouragement this morning uh, and give you five quick reasons why Christians should confront those who don't know Jesus. Um, and these um, reasons actually come from Bill Muhlenberg's commentary on issues of the day. Um, and the full version um, will hopefully be shown in a slide in a second. So there's, like I said, there are five reasons why Christians should confront those who don't know Jesus. Firstly, God appointed the prophets to confront not just Israel, but the nations. Right? This is clearly seen in the Old Testament in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. It actually says, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And there's other books uh, and examples in the Bible. In fact, the entire prophetic books were written to pagan nations. The same sorts of sin and judgment were condemned back then, is what we condemn today. But today... 
we are given the role of helping others find reconciliation with Jesus. So that's point number one. God appointed the prophets to confront not just Israel but the nations. Point number two, God's law applies to every single one of us. Most of our Western laws come straight from Judeo-Christian tradition, right? So they're based around our belief system. But laws against murder, for example, are laws that are secular and even non-Christian societies um, have. And they believe that everyone should be subject subject to those laws. Um, We all benefit from these laws. They protect us and they're designed to help us live with peace and freedom. So the second one is God's law applies to every single one of us. Thirdly, in civil society, all laws are based on some sort of morality and are intended for all. In civil society, all laws are based on some sort of morality and are intended for all. The laws about speeding and stopping at a red light, you know, they're based on morality. Um, They're based on the idea that we should treat others with respect and seek their well-being, including their right to live. If I didn't give way or, you know, stop at a traffic light and smashed into someone, obviously, you know, we're creating an issue. So we don't have open slather when it comes to driving, do we? To save lives and prevent accidents, we have all sorts of road rules and we're expected to to obey them. What I will say is you don't have to be born again or have the Holy Spirit reside within you to stop at a red light or to obey the 60k an hour sign, do you? Okay? The fourth element that I wanted to mention this morning is this is actually how a democracy is supposed to function. So in a democracy, even Christians and non-Christians have every right to share their points of view and moral concerns. Sometimes this might mean urging our lawmakers and politicians to help reflect our concerns and values, which I know is done quite a bit through various organisations. The idea that Christians should just sit down and shut up is not only unbiblical, but it's also anti-democratic. So we need to stand up. We need to say what we believe. Sharing opinions, questions and realisations with our neighbour with respectful conversations opens up doors to share the gospel. And it also gives us an understanding of our neighbour's point of view as well. So that's four points. But the fifth point, in my mind's eye, is the most important point as to why we should, as Christians, confront those who don't know Jesus. And the reason is, it's the most loving thing that we can do. It's the most loving thing that we can do. For Christians to share their Christian beliefs and values with others is the best thing we can do for our neighbours. If you love others, you will tell them about Jesus and what he did to help us avoid a lost eternity. We are actually being negligent and selfish 
if we don't share the good news. In fact, we all suffer greatly if we don't follow God's law or if we ignore God's law. So just as it would be amiss for us not to warn a neighbour that their house is on fire, so it is our duty if we do not share with others about God's purposes for us and for them. Real obedience should come from the heart, shouldn't it? Real obedience should come from the heart. And that is why we want to proclaim the whole biblical package to others. That's why we want to share the gospel with others. God's rule book is actually good news. I mean, that's why they, they, one one version of the Bible is the good news Bible. It is, it's good news. And it's good news for all. And this is not forcing our morality on anyone. All, all it's doing is telling people the greatest news that they will ever hear. And we ought to be doing this more often, not less often. We ought to be doing this more often, not less often. So some hard questions might be to ask ourselves, do I actually love my neighbour? Let's be honest. Do I want to love my neighbour? Let's be honest. Are you at the place of saying... God, help me to want to love my neighbour. When was the last time that you stepped outside of your comfort zone to speak about your faith? I know yesterday there was a point in my conversations at the footy where I didn't rip the duct tape off my mouth. And I should have. Happens to me all the time, but that's my challenge to each and every one of you. When was the last time you stepped outside of your comfort zone to speak about your faith? So let's not treat God's word and commands as too hard, okay? To omit his commands to go and tell the world about him, because that, that was one of the last things he told us, go and tell the world about him. I remember Darren Berry telling me about 10 years ago, I don't know what it was, something like that, uh, when I first met him, and he looked at me and said, I didn't realise you were a Christian. (laughs) And that actually cut fairly deep into me because I went, man, I thought I was a Christian, I thought I was living a Christian life, but I don't know that I was expressing my Christianity the way that I should have. So that's fine, and that's okay, you're forgiven, Darren. It's all good, mate. It's, it's what sometimes we need. We need that prod. We need that to be able to go and tell the world about him, don't we? We really do. So don't ever, don't ever be sorry for prodding someone about Jesus, even if they don't like it. Don't ever 
feel sorry about doing that. Because that's what Jesus commands us to do. Isn't it, Darren? It is. And you were doing what Jesus commands you to do, mate. You were. Okay? Let's not treat God's word and commands as too hard. To omit his commands and go and tell the world about him. Let the situation not be the great omission, but rather the great commission. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, please grant us the conviction to share the good news with those around us. Help us to overcome the social stigma, the counterculture of today's society. Grant us strength to overcome any fear we might have and let your Holy Spirit guide us and lead us to freely and willingly share the good news of our victory over sin and death. Help us to use our abilities, skills, resources and spiritual gifts to your glory. Help us to encourage each other to build each other up to be able to share your good news to those around us. Lord, help us to be purposeful in our approach, not just by demonstrating through our actions, but also through our words, also through our words, Lord, to the lost and the lonely, to those that do not know you. Let it become second nature for us all to talk about you and to share what we believe and why we believe in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.